Hello and welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Oludemi and I'm joined as usual by my co-host Sulaiman Lassisi. Sulaiman, this weekend the Italian Serie was back. There were so many games to watch. How did you feel about them? Well, I felt very excited. Remember I told you about the Fiorentina-Napoli game? My eyes were on the TV all 90 minutes for that one, and it did not disappoint. I was very excited how the season kicked off in such an exciting fashion for both teams in Tuscany. Awesome. Yeah, that, that was a seven-goal thriller, and it was really a joy to watch. I caught a lot of it, but not all of it. Um, but I, we have a, I have a special, uh, you know, a special complaint um, in that game that we'll talk about in our Syria A section um, later on on the show. Um, before we go on, just wanted to to remind everyone that the UCL is back. Are you excited for the UCL? Of course, man. European nights, nothing like European nights. So it's nice to see that. The, the draw is going to be set, and I'm just excited, you know. These small teams, the David and Goliath stories, you get them best in Europe. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, so the draw is on Thursday, and uh, I, I will have to tell you that I don't know. I can't even tell you right now, really, who's going to win or who's the favorite to win. Um, everyone is pointing to Manchester City, but I don't see how that's possible. Uh, but we shall see what happens on Thursday. It will be very interesting to see... Um, what the tables, you know, the table matchings will be. Um, and the first game, of course, will start September 17th, which is about two or three weeks away. Um, so it should be very fun to see the UCL back. Yeah, I'm excited. So what have you got for us for the spot kick, Sulaiman? Sure, Bora. This weekend, I saw a lot of games. And one thing that stood out to me across all the big leagues in Europe was that new players, new signings from the summer we're opening their scoring accounts. So I was, I watched, I saw a lot like your boy, Wissam Ben Yedder opening his account, Nabil Fakir opening his account. And also in the Premier League, you had Wesley, you had Joelentine and all over the place. So I was just thinking of all these new players opening their scoring accounts, who were you most excited for? Who did you think you, you knew they had promised and it was just about time they started scoring in their new teams? I will go for Luis Muriel. Um, and he played last season at Fiorentina on loan. Um, and now this season, uh, Atalanta signed him um, and he scored two goals on his debut, uh, which was, you know, amazing. And they needed those two goals, actually, because Atalanta beat, uh, barely beat Spal 3-2. Um, and so thanks to Muriel's two goals, if not, they could have either drawn the game or lost the game, depending on what happened um, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see Muriel this season just because I think he's in a better side to support him as a striker because I think he's a very good, uh, um, a very good goal scorer. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, that my, my excited, uh, my, the most exciting player that I was happy to see this weekend is Muriel. That, that's great. So mine actually is Joelinton for Newcastle against Tottenham. And this was because, you know, Newcastle going to the Tottenham Stadium and getting three points was something you could never expect. So, and then just to see that, that's the game in which he opens his account because a lot of doubters for Joel Linton, myself included. So just seeing him getting off with a goal, I think he really has announced his arrival in the Premier League. 
Yeah, I mean, he couldn't have done it in a better way by beating a top six team, or should I even say a top four team. Um, and and it's just amazing that he was able to come out of that game with a win. Exactly, yeah. It, more more promises and just more expectations, especially from the Toon Army of Newcastle for Joel Linton. Yep, so what are your reactions from the weekend? Well, if you're talking about EPL... Another penalty debacle. Um, not surprised. Um, United uh, had a penalty that could have seen them win the game. Um, but, as usual, they missed it like they did last week. Um, except this time around, it wasn't Pogba, it was Rashford. Um, this is very uh, weird to me, just because... Uh, should teams be, be practicing penalties during their training sessions? Is this something that, that they should be practicing, especially with VAR, with, with, the, inclu- in, with the intrusion of VAR in the game? Um, you would probably expect more penalties, right? Yes, there'll definitely be more penalties, but practicing penalties... You know, we had a, an episode on the show, I think five, six episodes ago, where we talked about how the German national team don't practice penalties. I don't think practicing penalties is a solution to missing kicks when it actually matters well i mean you you have to well so so what do you think what do you think i mean if, if there's a way you can't tell me that for example ronaldo doesn't practice penalties i mean i don't know that but like he's a, he's a very uh he converts his penalties he has a very high conversion and i'm sure it's because he's definitely practicing them like i said and like i've also a lot of people usually say only the penalties that go in are good penalties so you can practice all you want, yeah. Unless you make it on game day, it doesn't count. Well, I think that you can probably practice by putting a wager on something that you own, and that will give probably give you the same amount of pressure you will feel during the game. Because think about it: if you put your Bentley, you know, as a soccer player, if you put your Bentley on the line <laughs> for a penalty during training, then you'll probably definitely will score that goal, or maybe a, a maybe two weeks worth of wages will will help put the same pressure um but i i think a lot of it is is definitely you know with like pressure and, and just people getting nervous and because they realize that if they don't score it it will be detrimental to that team so i think that's probably why uh, you know power missed it and also um rashford missed it and also i mean the keepers we have to give them credit for this they say you know well at least in pogba's case uh, it was a safe penalty but rashford i, I think he just moved it wide more wide that hit the post. Um, but it, it's just really sad to see a lot of these things that come up on social media, especially when somebody miss, misses penalties. And we saw that with Pogba and 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 th- just this last weekend, we saw it with uh, Rashford. Yeah, my my reaction to that, Bori, it, it's just disgraceful. This is 2019 and we're seeing people still making these remarks. And I just wonder, like... If this had happened to someone of a different color, we definitely would not be hearing this. And what actually surprises me the most is it happened to Yaokumete, who plays for Reading in the championship. And Reading were three goals up against Cardiff. Three goals up, he gets a PK and he misses. And someone still had the nerves, the, the, the irrational sensibility to go and attack him on social media because he missed a penalty when there were three goals up. So for me, it's like there is something more benign in in, the, in this situation. I don't I don't know what it is, but it's just like 
your three goes up, like there's you, nothing's at stake. You know what I'm saying? Like this sure. is inexcusable. Even when the score is tied, even when you're losing, it is inexcusable. But for you to do it when your team is three goals up, Bori, it just it's significant it of something worse in our society. And they say life imitates art and art imitates life. And for me, I just feel like this is just not something that's separate, like that that's peculiar to soccer. This is something that's part of our, our like our daily lives. And it, it's just interesting that now we see a lot of it happening in soccer. Yeah, it's crazy. I think a lot of it also is probably due to trolls online, uh, which is really sad because it's kind of hard to tell. You can't really tell who are trolls or who are not. Um, and it's just really sad. It's, in general, it's very sad to see. Every time I see it, especially in Syria, ah, it really gets me very sad. And I, and that's why I, I dislike Bonucci because of what happened last season um, with Moise Kian. It's just, I don't know. It's just so much tension, I feel like, especially with, with people of color playing in all these foreign leagues and just getting all this slander and, and people just calling them names and, and not nice names. I think this is something that, you know, obviously cannot be eradicated immediately, but hopefully we can eradicate the trolls and then we can reveal the real, the true identity of the real pe of the people that are actually making this, you know, all this uh, slander. Um, but it, it's really sad for the game to see that, that, you know, this happens, especially after it happened last week and now it's happening this week, it's just really sad. Yeah, I just hope these players, I mean, you, you they talk about how strong Pogba's character is and how strong Rashford's character is, but I, I just really hope they bounce back to their best and they can just rise above this hate because that's what it is. They can rise above this hate and continue to be exemplary role models for people that enjoy watching soccer and just young kids all across the world. We can only hope so. Chelsea won last weekend. That's a surprise. Yes, it was. I mean, it was a, you call it a hard-fought win. You know, they, they were, I think, they were up twice or even three times. They just relinquished the lead twice. Yeah. I was actually, um, I, I mean, I, I actually did not see the game, so I can't really talk much about it. But um, I'm not surprised Pookie scored the game. Exactly. You know, Puki, Timu Puki does what he does. He gets goals. He has gotten it against Liverpool and now gotten it against Chelsea. So he's not your your player who doesn't score against big teams, top six teams. He scores against the the biggest of them. So a lot to watch for from Timu Puki. In the same vein, I wanted to talk about Arsenal's most expensive sign, Pepe, in the Liverpool-Arsenal game. Oh, did yeah. you get a glimpse of that game? Yes, I did see that game, actually. And I, I know what you're talking about exactly, where he dribbled past, uh, I, I don't know, was it Matip? And, yeah, that was um, Matip. And, and he was, you know, the, the shot, the, you know, the shot to score was just like, basically no power, was straight at Adrian. Um, and very surprising from Pepe, especially after watching him last season at Lille. Um, but I think maybe, I mean, I'm not saying, I don't know what you're about to say, but I think it's one of those reasons, you know, one of those things where maybe he, he either was off balance or he was just too nervous and just too excited to, to score. And obviously that got into his head and probably that's why he had that uh, 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 outrageous miss. Yeah, I was just going to say he needed to sharpen his current boots. 
he had a few chances. I didn't think that was the only chance where he could have buried. So he just needs to be ready. I know he had 20 goals and 10 assists in League On last season. And after seeing him miss those opportunities, I, I think he definitely needs to needs to step up and finish those goals. So that was my reaction from that. I also, the, the Watford West Ham United game that I saw, yeah. Watford has lost three games in a row. They're, I mean, no cause for alarm, but they're the bottom team in the Premiership as we speak, despite the fact that they had a very good season in the last campaign. So that just... I don't know. I mean, I mean, definitely something's wrong be, in the camp. To be fair, Watford isn't great this season either. Um, but I'm excited to see that Haller uh, scored two goals uh, last weekend, uh, which he was one of their big signings this this uh, past summer. Exactly. I am very excited as well for him opening his current account. I hope he gets more goals for the Hammers because they, they definitely have a strong following. Aguero uh, scored two goals last weekend. Uh, surprising to you? No, Bori. Aguero is one of the most underrated forwards in the game. And I say this with all guilt being admitted. I struggle to, to rank him, to rate him as a goal scorer. But those two goals actually made it up to his 400th goal as a goal scorer. And I actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. I went for, both, said, for both club and country, you mean? For both club and country. And this just, I, I stepped back for a second after realizing that. Filippo Inzaghi, there was a time when he got to 300 goals. Yep. And when he got to 300 goals, he had a shirt, an AC Milan jersey on the field to celebrate that accomplishment. 300 goals. And Aguero gets to 400, and it's just like another day on the job. Like, he doesn't even make it's a fuss about it. You remember his, his, uh, his celebration is always like the, the rock you know, like the fingers, you know, like yeah, the, uh, yeah. the Texas, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just amazing how much of a goal Machini was. In that game, actually, he's currently tied in hat-tricks with Haaland Shearer. He got two goals in that game. If he had gotten a third, he would have broken that record for the highest, no- highest number of hat-tricks caught in the Premier League. So it, I, I'm sure going for that. I'm sure he's going to break that. I think my surprise was... Jesus not starting over him. I I sort of thought that Jesus, um, you know, play during the Copa America was going to elevate him over Aguero and quote unquote Aguero is old kind of thing. Um, but I guess uh, that's not the case. I think a few things actually happened in the game against Tottenham the week before. First, you know, there was this confrontation between Aguero and Pep when he was subbed. So sure. I was thinking maybe that would actually cause Jesus to start over him. But it looks like Jesus got injured. So Oh, interesting. So yes, yeah, so there there is no chance of that happening in the in the past game week. And then we had the Wolves game where it took a last minute, a saving grace, <laughs> a miracle of a penalty for Jimenez. Rahul Jimenez to get that last minute penalty to, to salvage a point at the Molyneux. Yes, and Wolves, remember, Wolves are currently playing the playoffs of the Europa League. Um, they beat Torino away, surprisingly. Um, I think it was like 3-2. Um, so so they Wolves have been playing a lot of games because they've been playing the the Europa League qualification and now they're in the playoffs. And, and after this week, they will know if they are in the um, Europa League. Um, let's move on to the Bundesliga. Um, Lewandowski 
scored three goals, scored a hat trick. I'm not surprised. Um, he he's just really on fire. He I I honestly don't know why a club like Real Madrid is not, you know, looking to buy this type of player. Um, but yeah, what do you what do you think about that game? They say shoot a shoot, score a score. That's what it is. I mean, it is Lewandowski. You give him a chance, a sniff of a chance, he'll put it away. So no comments there. <laughs> and I remember I was talking about uh, Borussia Dortmund, uh, I think last episode actually, and the link between Sancho and Alcacer. Um, it's just, again, they did again. Sancho had an assist and Alcacer was the one that scored the goal. A very nice goal too. Um, it It's just funny to me, again, like I said last time, that I underrated Sancho, but he is definitely shutting me up and um, I'm wondering if this if Borussia Dortmund will go far this year in the UCL and and maybe win the Bundesliga I I mean again still too early to 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 know but um, I I wonder I wonder if this is the time for Dortmund yeah I think they really have a good setup this season I don't know about the Champions League but I could definitely see this team in a knockout competition they can match anyone on the best day. Talking about Sancho and Alcacer, what I was actually thinking is if they, they both had an agent or if they had someone who could hype the, the, their connection, I would use the tag, watch this pace, because there's a lot that's going to happen between the, the pairing in this season. They're going to have a lot of link-ups and a lot of goals between that combination in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League this season. Watch that space. Yeah, I mean, I'm already hearing rumors of uh, Sancho being linked with with Manchester United. Um, I would, I mean, Sancho is is English, so I would be surprised if he doesn't go back there. Um, but you're right. I mean, Alcacer was it played for for Barcelona. He's he's a Barcelona product, um, and it, it's good to have him back and and scoring because I know he didn't really have a good time in Barcelona. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Sancho and Agassar are, are a pair to watch this season. I wonder if we get the same effect as we did with Aubameyang and Dembélé, I think about three or two seasons ago, where they, you know, Dembélé was basically just assisting Aubameyang, Aubameyang was scoring. Um, so, I, you know, it... I'm, I'm very excited to see, and it's just great to see that Dortmund keeps producing these fine, young forwards, and, and they they definitely make a lot of money from from all these uh, players that they, they sell. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, I actually want to talk quickly about RB Leipzig. They took care of business against Frankfurt over the weekend, 2-0. Who else but who else? Timo Werner just signed a new contract, and he... He sealed that with a goal. And what actually I wanted to point you out to is Yusuf Urari Paulson. He had a wonder of a goal. And I've gotten the impression that you are a lover of volleys. So I I I beg you to go and find that Yusuf Urari Paulson goal. I, so he's he's your Firmino type of forwards. Like if there uh, if there are players in the Premier League looking for someone like Firmino, it doesn't get goals very often. But he walks his butt off every game. So he's your kind of player who always works hard. But to see him, the technique that he had to, to put away that volley this weekend, I felt like he more than compensated for the scarcity of goals that he typically gets in the regular season. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would definitely check that out. Let's t- let's move on to La Liga. Um, you know, different results this week as from the you know from last week. Um, Real Madrid tied with Valladolid. I uh, remember Valladolid is owned or partly owned by Ronaldo Fenomeno. Uh, if I'm getting that, if, if I'm getting his last name right. Wow, I didn't know that. That's that's <laughs> quite an interesting wow. fact. But no, it, it, you know, it ended up one-one. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned earlier before we started recording that uh, James James started, um, and I, I guess you know, I guess you were surprised that he started. Yeah, man, James and Bill are now starting. You know what? The storyline was all summer, so of course I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised Bill started. I, I think he, I, I think he should be starting. I oh think, well, well, you know. maybe maybe I should add to that surprise. Isco started. Well, okay, that well, so for two years ago, two seasons ago, I mean, Isco was always a regular starter under Zidane. Uh, I think Zidane actually likes him, but maybe Isco was maybe out of shape. I think that was the the story back then, um, or sorry for last season, and also he was injured also. But um, I think. Zidane has always liked Isco. I'm actually not surprised. But I'm surprised by James actually playing because, again, it's been a while since he put on the Real Madrid shirt and played for them in La Liga. Um, talk less of him starting. So, um, But now we've heard now that he's injured. So, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's, it's, it's bad luck. Yeah, he might be out three to four weeks. So, I don't know how that kind of affects his chances or prospects of being signed by some other European team. So... It turns out that every time we talk about Atletico Madrid, we always end up talking about Joel Felix and how wrong I was about slandering him during, you know, in the summer, saying you know it doesn't make sense that he bought him for that much. But he's pulling the weight. Um, he assisted the uh, Vitolo's goal last weekend, so you know, big props to him. Do you have anything to say about that game? N- not much. I mean, it was a it was a very tough, close encounter and. Atletico Madrid got away with the win. You know, typical Atleti. They play hard and got it, got all three points. Yeah. And the surprise of the weekend, Barcelona won 5-2 against Real Betis. I'm not going to lie to you. I watched that game and I could not believe my eyes. I could not believe this was Barcelona um, because I thought Betis was going to win, to be honest. Let's, let's be serious. Um, but, you know, Griezmann pulled up this game and he actually you know he's giving Suarez a run for his money yeah he put on a show those were very classy goals both goals that he had and he also had a beautiful assist in the game so he definitely showed why Barcelona sought after him the whole time so I I was never worried about him he's an established professional he'll get his just like everyone else would get theirs yeah, and um, there was a very fine player, a 16-year-old, the second youngest player to play in La Liga for Barcelona, Ansu Fati. He is from Guinea-Bissau. Um, you know, he played on the right wing, basically where uh, Dembele plays. Um, he was he was he was lightning good. I I, I think I mean uh, you can tell obviously that he's 16 year old because he doesn't have the experience, but you could tell he had he had confidence on the ball. Um, and he, he had some great shots, actually, uh, towards the goal. Um, so, you know, this is a product of La Masia, and we've, uh, you know, we've heard that La Masia is not what it used to be, but maybe they're making a comeback uh, because, you know, Ansu Fati looks promising. 
promise, man, you actually, that word just wrote off your lips to mind. That was all I was thinking when you were saying that promise. I mean, when these young players show this promise, we just hope, you know, we start hoping, do we have another Messi in the making? So promise yeah. is, is what we see and we expect a lot from Ansu Fati. One surprise I want to mention, though, is Frankie the Young, well, really, in this case, Sergio Roberto benching Ivan Rakitic. Um, if 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 Barcelona had lost this game, I would have sla- you know I would have yelled at Valverde because it doesn't make sense in my opinion to play Sergio Roberto or Frankie de Jong over Rakitic, given what Rakitic does for this team. Um, again, one of this player, one of the players that you know actually pulls his weight and does well for the team, but you never really see it. Um, unless you actually have a cam on him the whole game. But uh, it's just very surprising that Rakitic has been relegated to the bench. I, I'm I'm very actually flabbergasted that uh, uh, Sergio Roberto or Frank De Jong are getting a start over him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Rakitic's game. And just like you, I was surprised seeing him on the bench. But I wonder what the gaffer sees that we don't see. Maybe he's not fit. Yeah, maybe he's not match fit. There is something. The second game week. There is something. There's definitely something. Um, well, it, it was a good game for them. Uh, Griezmann had a iconic celebration, the LeBron James powder, you know, in the air <laughs> celebration. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw that. He, he used confetti. I, yeah. you know, that's one player that I love his celebrations. Always does something new. Um, and I'm happy he's scoring. And I hope he does keep scoring because I think he's a fine player and uh, a world-class player. All right, let's move on to our favorite league, the Serie A. Started last weekend, explosive games. You have Inter winning 4-0 against Lecce, who are, uh, you know, newcomers from Serie B. Um, but all in all, this, you know, Serie A was, I was very, it was like a breath of fresh air just watching the Serie A games, um, it even, and that's why, you know, when you asked me about watching certain games in the EPL, I didn't watch them just because I was just watching the Serie A games on Saturday and Sunday. But um, I'm going to start out with AC Milan. Um, again, we're, I'm not surprised. I, I think we've said that in our Serie A, you know, uh, preview. Um, I, I don't think this team is up to par. Like, I'm actually even probably going to even relegate them below fourth place only because of how they played in the first game against Udinese. AC Milan lost lost 1-0 to Udinese. You know, they were, you know, Udinese was at home, but still, I don't think that's a, a good excuse. Udinese probably was, I think, was like 16th last season. But my point is, um, it sounded, it looked to me that Giampaolo doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he's, the formation he's using is 4-3-1-2, which is fine, you know, whatever. Use whatever formation you like, but that formation... As we've seen in the in the in in the preseason and obviously in this last game, does not produce goals and does not work well with the players that we have. Um, and also very surprising, he started with you know most of the players that started last season. So like for example, in the midfield you had Borini playing in the midfield, whereas you had people like Bonaventura in, on the bench and you had Krunic and you had Benacer on the bench, but somehow. Hakan Shalanoglu and Borini were starting over these players. So, I I mean, when I saw the lineup, I cringed because I knew that this was going to be bad. This was a, a mirror of last season. This is the reason why we didn't score so many goals and obviously, you know, why we lost so many games. But I'm just 
I'm just flabbergasted. And I've heard news on, on the Italian media now that um, Giampaolo is going to be switching to another formation, which is, to me, is kind of stupid because you worked on one formation during preseason. And now, after the first game, and you saw that, hey, you know, we're losing, we're going to, you know, we're losing with this formation, then you change it totally? Like, that doesn't sound like a good coach to me. What do you think about that? Bori, I'm just sitting here thinking what did Milan got themselves into with this coach. Yes. And to be honest with you, after watching the second part of that game against Eugenese, I didn't, there was nothing for me to be excited about. So for me, it's more like back to my English Premiership <laughs> watching and I can just follow the scores of these games because we barely, we barely, I think it was like in the 95th, 94th minute where we had a cross that went in that like flattered to to be dangerous. You know what I'm saying? That threatened to be dangerous just for a second. Other than that, it was just, you know, biteless. Like we, we, we had no, no, no intention. We lacked intention the way we played. So for me, it's just, it's probably going to be another disappointing season. Well, I think we can we can salvage the season. To be honest, I think if uh, first of all, it seems like Giampaolo has, has learned from his mistake, um, and he's realized that okay, his formation is not going to work for this team. Um, which brings me to my question, uh, and, and this is something I've been battling with, especially as I grow up more and more in my footballing knowledge and and, and just understanding the game. I've realized I've noticed, especially in this modern era that a lot of coaches only buy players that fit their formation. Okay, for example, you have, obviously, you have Sarri of Juventus, you have uh, Antonio Conte of, of, of Inter Milan. They only buy players that suit their formation. But shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't a better coach, shouldn't a coach be, be, will, you know, be able to work with the players he or she has? Because I don't understand this whole thing of, you know, fits my own formation uh, because obviously we can have injuries. You know, anything, anything can happen. And and to me, I feel like it's it makes more sense. Again, I'm again not trying to, you know, it's worked a lot for a lot of coaches, obviously, like content Sari. But I feel like coaches should be able to be dynamic and change a formation given the players that they have. Well, that opinion actually, I I think otherwise. And the reason being that you're going to be judged on your results. So it's nice and good to be able to bring in a, a player that doesn't fit into your team and then try to mold them into something that works for you or maybe change your team so that they can play better on your team. But you're not going to be judged on how well you converted a full back into a wing back. That's not what you're going to be judged on. You're going to be judged on the results. So if you have sure. a readily available wing back who can do exactly what you need done, I think you should go for that player. Well, again, sound, you know, I, we can. We, this is probably something we can talk about in the future. I'm not. I'm obviously not a coach, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I just feel like, from my perspective, it feels like coaches should be able to adapt to to players that they have. Um, but hey, you know, these coaches win, you know, the top top cups. So I can't really say much about that. Um, but uh, you know. Milan didn't even register a shot on ta- uh, on target, um, which is very very unlike Milan. Um, so, but hey, we'll see what happens next 
next game, and we hope that Gianpaolo changes it. But let's move on to another game that was very absurd, um, the Napoli Fiorentina game. I remember touting this game at well, touting Napoli's defense as is going to be one of the best defense in the league this season. But they shut me up by conceding three goals against Fiorentina. Um, you know, did, did I? Are you gonna Are you gonna make fun of me now, Slimon? No, no. I mean, you can't judge a a defense pairing by one game, especially that one game being the first game of the season. So, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just see how the pairing works out in the next couple of games. I would say this. So Napoli scored four goals, which was amazing. And I remember saying this. I remember saying that I think Napoli can win the league, unless, uh, especially if they buy a, a striker like a Cardi. But, you know, just see Kayon, Mertens, and Insigne were just in sync. They are like bread and butter. They just go very well. They gel very well. The chemistry is there. You can see it. And... And Lozano didn't play, but I can I can picture something like Cardio Lozano just being in front of them and them just scoring a lot of goals. And hopefully they can figure out what happened to defense last last game. But um, the one thing I do want to uh, point out though, one of the goals that Napoli scored was a penalty, which is very absurd. It was a it was a you know I mean a a, a a blind person could tell that that penalty was a dive by Mertens. Um, but it's just surprising to me that, I mean, yes, in lifetime, the co- the ref called it as a penalty. But I would think the VAR official will look at that and be like, oh, no, actually, that is a dive. Um, I don't know if you saw that part of the game. But what do you think about that penalty? Well, I'm going to start by saying I saw it. And as well, I saw all those penalties in the Manchester United game that were not called. So what I think about this whole inconsistency in refereeing and how they consult VAR is that these referees need to be consistent. If you are going to tout a technology that changes the game, that makes it better for you to pick out a needle in a haystack, then you better be able to use this technology every single time. Don't leave the fans wondering what could have been if that infraction or if that dive could have been cut so yes what i think about this is that referees should be more attentive to the technology they're using we don't want to see this happen in the age of var i i mean i don't even like when i was watching the game i'm not even sure if they went to var Uh, i think he probably was talking to the var official but i just don't understand like mertens no no the defenders didn't touch him and he just fell. And it's, it's like, I mean, we could see that from the replays, but like, why didn't they just like call that out? It, it's very weird to me. But let's move on to Inter Milan. Um, the only thing I have to say about Actually, this Actually, I was going to call out real quick because we talked about Kevin Prince Boateng signing for uh, Fiorentina, and he has opened his account just this you, last game. Did you see, there was one of the shots that he, he played uh, when he first got into the game, he had a, an opportunity uh, where they, I think the the ball was like laid o- laid up for him, and he just did his signature like bi- not bicycle, but like kind of like a martial arts kind of move where yeah. he just like kind of shot it, and I, of course the keeper saved it, but just that just reminded me of the Kevin Prince Boateng that I know just doing crazy flicks and and tricks in order to score goals. But I'm happy he scored. I I you know he's one of my one of my favorite players ever. Um, so I, I definitely be watching it. And Ribery had a good start. I mean, he when he came in, he didn't have any uh, influence, but you know, 
had a good start. I think he, he his uh, intrusion into the game was very was very good. But hopefully we see him get to play 90 minutes next time. Um, but talking about Inter, um, again, the only thing I have to say about Inter here is just you know Lukaku scored. I saw him. I saw him have a very bad first touch just once in the game. So I guess that's uh, progress. I actually want to talk about, we talk a lot about what players do, how players play, ball control goes. How did you feel? Like, just watching him, what did you, what okay. could you tell from him? All right, so I am a Lukaku fan, but that, this is not why I'm saying this. I've watched Lukaku in Belgium. I've watched Lukaku now, today, in Inter Milan. And I've seen him at United. Lukaku is not just your regular strike. Like, he's not just a goal scorer. He doesn't just, like, get, you can't just give him the ball and, uh, well, you can give him the ball and he can shoot and score. That's not all he does. Lukaku, first of all, is, he has speed for how big he is. Um, I don't know, there was a point in the game where he, the left back of Lecce, he kind of just dribbled him and went past him like nothing. And Lukaku is, like, he ha- he's a ball player. Like, he's not like a playmaker, but he's almost like a playmaker because he can get the ball, go around the defender, and cross the ball. He did that several times today. Uh, Lataro had a very good chance that, that uh, you know, basically crossing from Lukaku after getting past, like, a player or so. And he crossed it over to Lataro Martinez, and but Mar- Martinez missed it. But, like, look, that's Lukaku I know. He did the same thing for Belgium in the last World Cup. Like remember against, especially against Brazil, he was going around all these players and feeding them, feeding the ball back into the center of the of the of, of the opponent's half. So it, this is something that I'm surprised, especially when I see on social media that you know, oh Lukaku is fat, Lukaku is you know, you know has bad first touch. Yes, he has moments like that in the game. So do other players have you know other players have these moments, but. Lukaku is not just a goal scorer, he's also a very good ball handler. Yeah, I just wanted to point out how comfortable he was. And that's something that I think it's very important in any player's game, is you feeling comfortable and feeling like you are a part of the team. Yeah, he looks confident. He was he was throwing his hands around, just saying like, hey, move here, move here. Like, you could tell that like they've, he's definitely gelled into the team. And, and he's like... To me, at least from the game I saw today, he looked like a leader in that front line, you know, kind of not bossing, but like kind of telling Lautaro Martinez what to do. And and granted, like, Lautaro Martinez is also young, but like, I don't know. I, I think Lukaku is a phenomenal player. I, I don't understand, like, I kind of understand when people ask, you know, like, especially United fans. Uh, I think they were just impatient with him. But hey, to me, he did very well in that game. Very, very, very good game. All right, let's move on uh, to the league on um, the only game I really want to or the only team I really want to talk about is PSG. Sounds like PSG's had a rough summer when it comes to, uh, you know, injuries and just and just scandals. You know, you know, we have currently ongoing the Neymar scandal. And to add salt to the injury, we now have. Three players out for PSG. Two of them are very, very important for PSG, and that's Cavani um, and Mbappe. Um, Cavani is started to be out for three weeks. Mbappe is, they said, he's at least going to be out for four weeks. Um, this is just nightmare for, for PSG. What do you think? Well, I was actually going to say, you mentioned injury and how 
it's it's it might just rattle the team a little bit. But I want to say adding some band aid to that injury is Chopomo Ting. He had a wonder of a goal, a Neymar-esque yes, goal this past it, weekend. So yes. I think they can look at the brighter side and just start like re- regrouping from there. But this is gonna be. I mean, it's going to be a struggle, but this is PSG playing league on. So I think they should still be able to navigate the schedule until their star players return. I don't think it's a disastrous situation. Well, I I don't know. The UCL is going to start before they come back. Um, and if PSG is favored to be in a... And in a quote-unquote easy group, I mean, no team is easy in the UCL. But if they're favored to be in a in a in a group where they don't have the top guns, then they'll be fine. But you know, if they miss the first game against the top gun, then suddenly we're looking at like okay, now they have to like get their game going. And remember, like these players will be out, and they have to come back and get back into the you know into the whole game. But my point is, um, I think this is bad for them. I think it's very bad, especially because. Yes, we have one more week, and this week is the last week of of transfer in the you know in basically on all the top leagues, and and if Neymar were to go, suddenly they look thin. And I know you're saying Chupomotin. I mean, I've watched. I like Chupomotin, but especially what I saw last season, I didn't think he was, he played very well. Maybe this season is a different story. Um, he did also score, like you said, a wonder goal. I actually, it's my favorite goal of of the last weekend, only mainly because I don't usually see players do the 360 dribbling move anymore. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm scared for PSG is all I'm saying. I, I think they're in a bad spot, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll have to see the schedule before we can say, and then the draw come out before we can say that. But right now, they should be fine. It's PSG. They have a lot. They have Di Maria. I mean, you can go down the list, so they should be fine. We shall see, yes. And uh, Ben Yedda, obviously, uh, you know, I, I hyped him up, helped out. That's all I got to say. Yeah, he <laughs> delivered, and so did Slimani. But when it comes to, as you know, soccer is a team sport. They led up two goals to tie Meme at home. So now they have one point out of a possible nine in the first three oh, games. I crazy. don't know how. I don't know crazy. how you can explain that. Crazy. No, I mean, yeah. Again, I can't tell what's going on in Monaco. Um, I, I honestly can't tell. But, it, you know, maybe I don't think they'll get relegated. We'll see what, we'll see what they do. I mean, they still have the, the, the market still open. They try also trying to get... I've heard rumors of them trying to get Kessier from AC Milan, so hopefully that doesn't happen. But um, there is something fundamentally wrong with that team, and uh, they—they they, I think they will definitely fix it, um, and they'll be fine. We'll have to wait and see. Awesome. I think that's all we have today. Our listeners, thank you for listening to the fourth official soccer podcast. Suleiman, can you take it away? Yeah, sure. So this weekend, before we go away, I just wanted to point out a few reminders. Actually, tomorrow, Tuesday, we have Montpellier playing Lyon. That's going to be a big game. We also have Nice and Marseille and Lille and Saint-Otienne on Wednesday. And then for the Premier League, the big one is Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspurs in the North London Derby. So that's going to be real big. I'm going to be watching that for sure. And with that being said, we're going to wrap it up today. Thanks so much, our listeners, for tuning in once again. And you can always find us on Twitter at 4th Official SP. And you can find us on all the major plat- 
podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Music. Thank you for listening once again, and I'm going to see you, boy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.